Hey friends, your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday RPG. In this case, I am running a homebrew Numenera campaign called The Rise of the Fourth Emperor. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to all kinds of exclusive material, preview material, previews of upcoming videos, but most of all, they help me put on shows like this. So to the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your support. Last week, the characters went to the town of Scarlet Watch in my game. So the, the, let's see, a 30-second campaign summary is that a very, very powerful, super powerful entity that exists in both our world and the outside, which is like the outer planes kind of, and the data sphere, sort of like cyberspace, known as the Fourth Emperor, is returning to the planet. They have, the, the Fourth Emperor ruled over a hundred million year period of history back seven or eight hundred million years ago and controlled all life on the planet basically took over and controlled all life on the planet for a period of time it's not really sure if it's like 100 million years but it's a long time millions of years and this entity thinks in million year increments right and then something got rid of it and then there was like another 100 million year period where something else had taken over but nobody really knew what it was they have discovered that this thing that ruled over that period of time is a, an entity known as the hex entity might be a strong phrase uh, some kind of thing known as the hex that's going to be relevant in today's game i think i hope and so the fourth emperor is coming back the fourth emperor is just a super powerful otherworldly entity it is uh when it when it arrives uh, it is arriving with these things known as heralds there are a number of heralds heralds are constructs super powerful super powerful super artificial intelligences that exist in these spheres these sort of metallic spheres the spheres used to be orbiting the planet but they have since come down to the surface of the planet in order to prepare the planet for the coming of the fourth emperor this includes thing grabbing up nanos nanos are sort of like wizards in numenera right grabbing up all of the people that have an affinity to the to the to the nanobots that exist inside the the the, the planet and using them to create other things. Geo-engineering the planet to increase, because the fourth emperor and its entities like methane, building soldiers known as the Oragolians, Orgolians, building soldiers known as the Orgolians, who sort of are their enforcers upon the planet. And preparing everybody else on the planet for this, this coming, you know, doing, doing other such things. The fourth emperor is very built heavily around the use of nanobots it uses nanobots for a lot of things so the heralds came down the characters dealt with one of the heralds and they realized that one of the other things that the fourth emperor has is a bunch of geostationary satellites that are able to fire tungsten rods down on the planet anywhere that it chooses and by doing so creates the equivalent of a nuclear blast without actually having any radiation so it is able to blow up cities if it wants to and it has done so for cities that rebel against the fourth emperor. If it, if the fourth emperor and if really the heralds decide this city's too much of a pain in the ass, it just blows it up. Which means the cities that survive are the ones that are supposedly succumbing to the the fourth emperor. Which really means just not attacking anything right now. So uh, the characters found out that there is a city, a town, a very small town known as Scarlet Watch, where the the ratio of nanos to normal people had been particularly high. Nobody really knows why, but more nano, more people that are connected to na the nanobots are born there than are born anywhere else. And the Fourth Emperor figured this out. The, the heralds figured this out. So they sent Orgolian soldiers to go there, test people to see if they're nanos, and then if they are, take them to a place known as Amberfall. Amberfall is a an old war 
war ruin. It's a it's a ruin of war machines, right? It's an old war machine depot or an old war machine vault. And that vault just happens to have the technology that the Orgolians and that the fourth emperor can use to sort of harvest nanos to do what they want. We're going to find out how. So the characters found out about Amberfall. They found out where it is. They had a really interesting kind of encounter. The very situational. What are we going to do to go into this town? And they said, well, we have a nano. Why don't we just have a nano walk into town and say, hey, I'm a nano and see where they take her. And so one of the characters, which one? Do, 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 walked in the middle of town and said, screw all you fourth emperor jackasses. I'm a nano, right? And a bunch of like Orgolians kind of looked at each other and said, well, grab her up. And so they grabbed her and they took her to what apparently was like a sheriff's house, like a, a place where they, and they had like three other nanos that were there, but they had sort of cages that were set up and there was a, a Orgol, like experimenter creature, right? And it said, don't worry, we're going to find out who you are soon. And immediately tried to stick her with a hypodermic needle. And she dodges the hypodermic needle and says, oh, don't worry, this just calms you down so that we can run the rest of the experiments. It tries to poke her again. And she says, no. And the rest of the characters kick in the door and they're like, screw this. And they burst in through the back wall, killed a couple of Orgolians, destroyed the Orgolian uh, experimenter machine and grabbed Juniper and, and rescued the people who said, we've got a safe house. We have a place we can go. And they went down into these tunnels underneath the town where they met other people who were there who said, yeah, we've been trying to hide from the Orgolians. And so they that's where they found out about Amberfall. That's where they found out that the nanos have been going there. No one says like, look, all the nanos that have gone there, nobody's gone there. But one of the nanos that went there is Juniper's mother. Right. Juniper's mother had come here and Juniper's mother was one of the earlier one of the earlier nanos who was captured. And I think this is going to be our Ted Brodigan facilitator. Right. So the characters are going to start at on their way. I think I think for fun, I think to kind of push things forward, we're going to we're going to jump to them sitting at the entrance of Amberfall. All right. I have a lot of different inspiration for what's happening in this campaign right now two big sources of inspiration for me right now are the stephen king novel wolves of the kala which is about halfway through the dark tower series i, I reread the dark tower series a, a couple of years i guess it was three years ago now i lose track of the years and uh, the wolves of the kala the wolves of the kala part was a big one so like kala brim sturgis was the name of the town of wolves of the kala and it had a lot of it had twins and it had the wolves were these like mechanical creatures that came in and grabbed the kids and took them to this place called castle castle discord was it something like that and I'm just, I'm taking a lot of that and saying, okay, they, 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 you know, nanos were taken over to Amberfall. So that is a big inspiration. Another big inspiration is I'm rereading the uh, William Gibson Sprawl trilogy, which is the first three like real cyberpunk novels that had ever come out. And there's lots of fun, like techno espionage sort of things that happen in those novels. I like it a lot. So I'm taking little bits and pieces from that as well. So those are kind of two big inspirations for me while I'm while I'm running this campaign. And, and, and that makes me enjoy the campaign that much more because I'm like, oh, I get to sort of play the things that I've enjoyed in these books. So very cool. So the strong start overlooking Amberfall, the war machine ruins, right? So the question begins, okay, they're overlooking it. Well, what happens? Does a does a herald show up? Like what what event could occur that would be kind of neat so uh one one could be so there are two entrances this is one of my one of the things uh, i've been thinking a lot about this past week i talked about this in the pre-show one of the things that i've i've thought a lot about in this past week is the idea of running dungeon crawls and i've been thinking about it in the terms of D, &D but i'm also thinking about it in the terms of um 
any any RPG, right? And if you think about them infiltrating Amberfall, this is sort of a dungeon crawly sort of thing. And I wrote a 3,000 word article that I'm going to publish soon. I don't know when about dungeon crawls. And I have sort of a bunch of principles of dungeon crawls that have helped me enjoy running them. These are not like house rules, really. They're just sort of a, a framework that I use to do dungeon crawls. And one of that one of those is that a dungeon should have at least two entrances, right? That like if you have an area that you're going into, it's kind of it's it immediately hands some agency over to the players to it immediately hands some some agency over to the players to choose where they're going to enter uh, a dungeon. And two obvious ones are the hostile intelligent entrance and the hostile not intelligent entrance right and so sort of like if you think about a castle it's like well you could try to infiltrate the castle directly or you can go in through the old sewers the monster infested sewers right and that that's that model of sort of like the wild area and the organized area and who do how do you want to do it gives some immediate do we want to do role play do we want to do stealth do we just want to fight our way in it gives some options about the kinds of gameplay that a player that the players are going to have by choosing which entrance they want to they want to have so i think we're going to do the same thing with amberfall let's take a look at amberfall let's look at its map because i think that i don't know that amberfall had a very obvious second entrance but I think we could make one of these. So if you if we look at the map for Amberfall, I just grab this from Dyson Logos. Anytime I need a map for a location, it's like, well, you can make one or you could go to the guy who's made a thousand maps and is a very experienced map maker and take one of his. So that's what I did. I go to Dyson Logos. So I think that this this map, which is a map that I'm using for Amberfall, doesn't have a lot of potential entrances, right? And I, what I think is that we're going to have one that sort of drops down into this back section here. I think that that would be one entrance. That's sort of the wild, the wild entrance. And it could be sort of like natural steam, natural steam tunnels, like natural steam vaults. That there's like chemical stuff going on in here. And the the steam vaults are one way in. Whoops, that's the wrong one. Where's my didn't I just create notes? Oh, I know what I didn't name it. That's why. 29 May 2002, Sunday. For anybody that is interested, the software that I'm using to do my campaign planning is Notion. I love using Notion. If you're watching this video and you're wondering, wow, what's he using? It's in the show notes below. You can see a link to Notion and how I use it and get a template for building your own campaigns in Notion. I love it to death. Uh, it's in the notes below. If you're watching on Twitch and somebody will ask, somebody already has, but if somebody else is almost certainly going to ask later, anybody in the chat can type exclamation mark Notion and it will paste a link to that same article that talks all about Notion. Saves everybody time. So yeah, so they look over Amberfall, two entrances, this, the, the natural steam tunnels or the, the shattered vault door. So I think for a strong start, a fun strong start that will change the calculus on how, on which entrance to go into might be that there are two, there's probably two Orgolian Myrmidons and two Orgolian soldiers at the front entrance. And, that, and Myrmidons are these great big gorilla-looking constructs. They're these huge war machines, right? Big war machines. They're like tanks, like big walking tanks, right? And they're sitting out front. And then it's there to kind of protect this place, right? But then an idea might be that they get attacked, right? That there is some some kind of... You know, luckily for the characters, some kind of thing attacks the, the, the creatures. And I think what we might do for this is we're going to roll a random one. 
So let me go to my Numenera. I need some, I need some books here. We're going to start with the Numenera bestiary. Where is the bestiary? Bestiary two, that was three. Bestiary two and regular bestiary. One, two, three. In the bestiary, this is something I kind of wish other people did. Certain people starts with Watsy. Their, their name starts with the Wizards of the Coast. It would be cool if in future monster books it offered random tables for books for monsters that were included in both that book and all the previous books, right? And that's something that they do here that I think works the, uh, works really well. It's a little hard to like cross reference. I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of how they describe it because I think in the random tables it would be really nice if it told you what book it was in. Instead, you have to cross reference it with another list. So uh, in this case, it's not really ruins. There's woods or jungle. There's plains or desert. But I think yeah, I think mountains is probably better. So we're gonna we're gonna roll on the mountains table. I need some dice, dice out here. What do I need? I need some D10s. I'm missing a D10. Where's my other D10? There it is. Okay, so uh, wandering in the mountains. 41. Now it needs to be, I think probably a, a Kellers, Kellersan. So what I do is I take that and then I search for Kellersan. It's got a little, whatever the hell that is, an asterisk. That's a plus sign, I think. You think there'd be a better way than that? And the ones with the plus sign are bestiary two. So then we go here and we say Keller San. And here we actually find one. Ah, and it's big. Wow, that thing's skinless, but ripping with rippling with muscle and embedded strands of machinery. Keller San stands nearly nine feet tall. Red fluid constantly oozes from the creature, but inner healing technology keeps it hale and active, even in the face of killing environmental conditions. But in, inner healing technology keeps it, thankfully, only a few of the handfuls of these creatures are active, and they mostly restrict themselves to out-of-the-way locations where they are continually engaged in never-ending war games against each other. Some Kellersands are damaged so severely that they suffer brain trauma and briefly can forget their underlying imperative. These creatures wander new into new lands where they become either hunted monsters or lauded marvels, depending on the, how the events play out. But sooner, sooner or later, as a healing factor continues, a Kellersand remembers and returns to the war forevermore. So they are just warlike monsters. They are essentially like giant minotaur, kind of skinless minotaurs, right? Very cool. Whirlwind attack targeting every creature within immediate range in addition to get hurled nearby boulders and synth targets within long range, dealing damage to all creatures within immediate range of the impact zone. That's interesting. So I think a pair of Keller Sands, right? And this is Bestiary 2, page 83. Put my own little page number and book bookmark. A pair of Keller Sands charge and attack the Orgolians. It's part of their war forevermore. Right? And two seventh level creatures are strong the orgolian myrmidons i think i only had them at six right so this could be a pretty strong fight and i i think it'll be kind of fun and maybe like you know it's sort of an opportunity like titans are fighting titans so what are the characters going to do i think that that's a fun so that's a good strong start right so we have the choose an entrance the keller keller sand attack and then crawling amberfall Somebody in my Discord chat was asking and said, what do your scenes look like? And you can see what my scenes look like here. To me, the scenes are really just a list of 
you know, me getting an idea about what's the general scope of what this session is going to be like. Do I have enough material to run it? It's not, I don't hang on very tight. I'm ready to throw stuff out and I might put big blobs in there. Like crawling Amberfall is a big blob because I don't know where they're going. I don't know what choice they're going to make, but I know that we're going to be running that big. And, and I think that that's uh, part of it. So the goal, I like to reinforce the goal. And this gets into my, like, when you think about how to prep a dungeon crawl, right well how i prep a dungeon crawl like lots of people can prep in all kinds of different ways right we're all doing different things we can all do whatever works for us i have a few steps that i like to take when i'm preparing for my dungeon crawl one of them is like what is this place what did it used to be what's going on there right that's sort of defining the situation getting a map for the place what does it look like you know what are the, how are the rooms connected and all stuff like that that's where i jumped to dyson reinforcing a goal why are the characters going there and even in this one it's pretty clear Right. We've been we've been pretty straightforward about why the characters are going here. But I think it's really good to like reinforce that goal. Don't always you can never go too far reminding them over and over. Like, why are you here? Right. And they're here to rescue and recruit the nanos of Scarlet Watch. So that's the goal, right? We have a goal, we have a map, we have uh, the location, and then in the secrets and clues is where we can drop in the, like, what is this place, right? And we can say, for example, uh, a secret and clue is that Amberfall once was a depot for uh, war machines and weapons used in both the, war, the physical world, the real, and the data sphere. I want to have a data sphere connection to it. And that, you know, is that a coincidence? Not really. It's because the Orgolians and or the, 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 the fourth emperor knew that this place, it had done some research and found out this place is a good place to connect nanos up to the data sphere. It has an old data sphere connection to it, right? So we know what this place used to be. The fourth emperor, the fourth emperor uses these, uses Amberfall to connect nanos and join them together to work on particular, particularly hard projects. I think that the hard project is building the portal to bring the fourth emperor into the world. Amberfall is only one of a few different nodes in which captured nanos are working on this problem. So Amberfall is one of the only uh, few different nodes in which it, the nanos, so this idea is like there's actually a few of these places, right? There's a number of these places and they're all working to build like the throne of the fourth emperor, right? I guess we can add that to this other one at the throne of the fourth emperor. Amberfall contains a sealed vault cut off from nanos and from the, from RF, like a Faraday cage, right? It's a completely sealed off vault. Inside this vault is a weapon of great power so we could say that like it was a later generation unclear a later generation known as the what winter's blade 
built and maintained Amberfall, gathering a technology and from previous generations uh, to build their machines, their war machines, right? So that's cool. So what is in that cage, I think is a, I, I've been, I'm moving a key, right? I had this idea that there was like a weapon of the hex out there. And I think this is where I'm going to steal directly. I'm going to steal directly from Neuromancer, William Gibson's Neuromancer. And the object kept in the, we'll call it the Black Vault since it's cut off from like all light and all RF and everything like that, is a hex virus called the Con Mark 7. In Neuromancer, it's called the Quang Mark 7, but we're going to go with Con because it's sort of like the conqueror, right? That the hex virus, the winter, the winter's, uh, winter's blade called the Kong Mark 7. It's sealed in a glass canister itself cut off from nanos and RF. So it's too, it's super encrypted, right? It's not super encrypted, it's super contained. It's got big vault that's RF protected and everything like that. And there's probably other Numenera devices that have been stashed in that vault that, that could be valuable and useful. But then there's also this canister and inside this canister is this like, you know, block, right? And it's, and it's just got like a kind of a burning symbol on it. And that symbol is a virus, right? And it's both a virus in the data sense and in probably the physical sense. It is a, a virus of the hex, right? And, you know, it's, it, is, it, is, it is a super weapon, you know? What it does, I don't know. Like, you don't want to make it so bad that they're like, we should never even touch that thing. Like, why ever touch it? It'll destroy the planet, right? But I think that if it could be contained and manipulated it could be valuable weapon there's a reason the winter's blade didn't destroy it i think that's pretty cool what else do we have the minds of the earliest nanos connected to the junction of amberfall have lost their sense of individuality. They are now a hive mind already. Juniper's mother, and Juniper's mother is, let's go to NPCs. I skipped a very important, Cassandra, right? Connects and protects the nanos. She's done her best to prevent the nanos from losing their sense of self. But the, the, the longer it goes, the worse it gets. So that's cool. Lots of secrets here. I think I've already, did I have 10? I think I might already have 10. Five, I have 10 secrets. All right, let's skip to another step then because we're doing fine. Let's, we're doing fine on secrets. But let's talk about the characters. So I think we might have everybody today. I don't know that anybody is uh, not going to be able to make it. We have Baiko, an intuitive jack who rides the lightning, played by Pat. 
We have Cecilia, the hideous Jack who wields power with precision, played by Sharon. We have Jad the Shade, the meddlesome Jack who persists. We have lots of Jack. We have four Jacks. Yeah. The meddlesome Jack who exists partially out of phase. He's been enjoying phasing in and out. We have Juniper, the cheerful Nano who possesses a shard of the sun. We have Nikia, the beneficent Jack who acts without consequence. And we have Samji1138, a protective glaive who fuses flesh and steel. So are there any other... I think that maybe another secret, I know I'm packing too many secrets, but this is important when you have characters, is that Samji's Winter's Edge is the group that built Samji. They have a vault of Samji's beneath what's it called oh man the jade colossus it might be time for them to go to the jade colossus they were interested in that before and this could be that, that could be a potential a potential option i don't know so that's cool the locations obviously we have amber right and we're going to do some detailed work on filling out amber fall npcs here most important is cassandra but we also have uh, Takran the Excagate. I don't want to forget about Takran, their friend. Uh, Takran the Excagate. And I think, oh, we have Rabbit, who's their communication with the Hive. And we have uh, Terrence. Why can I never find Terrence? I spelled his name some weird way, and it means I can never remember how, how to pull him up. These are all NPCs that I've got. T-E-R-E-N. We're going to spell his name differently. There. Spell it in a way that I can remember. The interesting thing about Terrence is Terrence is dead. But he managed to copy, he used a piece of technology to copy his entire brain into a ROM construct. Again, stealing directly from, from, from Neuromancer. And now he can talk to them and offer them advice and stuff like that through radio. But he can't, he can't move with them. He can't travel with them monsters we have let's let's go to my let's see bring up a new ocean window we have my fourth emperor bestiary we have orgolian so we have orgolian soldiers i have all the orgolians here right so we're gonna grab these guys hey my mom is here hi mom monsters in the morning that's probably that'd be a good name for this show <laughs> there is a an overlord right i think we had the overlord i think we decided that that there was an overlord here. Uh, let's take a look yes we were gonna have one of these overlords here so that 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 definitely runs is there any other i think we want to have some other random monsters that are in the wildy part so this one we're going to go back to uh bestiary three and we have ruins so we're probably going to do two different monsters that might exist in the room. Did I already do this? Let me just make sure I didn't already do this. So we go to Amberfall, because I know I put a bunch of stuff in here. And I want to fill this out. I want to spend a good piece of the thing filling this place out. It does not. But I am going to do a an inhabitant section here. And I'm going to steal. Because, like, sometimes what, I have the same page up twice that's that's not that's no good and then i don't have the other one. Oh my so sometimes i keep it in the notes but like because sometimes we run multiple sessions for a location it can be handy to keep it in the location information instead of that way i just pop up the location never to get all the stuff that's there uh 
but we're gonna go best theory three we are going to let's see a or b we're gonna go with a we are gonna roll oh i almost rolled off the table and 28 is clickers it doesn't sound very exciting click oh clickers best theory two page 35 so i guess it does in the index it tells you that's cool clickers Shadowy silhouettes composed of focused sound. Predators of some dimension. Clickers feed upon living creatures that produce sound. They're blind, but they sense their environment by rapid. That's pretty cool. Hunger for flesh. What are they? They're shadowy silhouettes. So maybe they sort of, these, these would be kind of like broken war machine kind of thing. So yeah, clickers. Best Theory 2, page 35. I like it. Those are level three. So they're pretty small. So it'd be probably a horde of, a horde of, Level three is pretty low. I think it usually, does it usually say, it'd be nice if it said like how often these creatures, how many of them are in any given location. That's neat. Okay. So we got that. And so that is a good thing. The index of this includes the page numbers where you can find the monsters. That's good to know. So let's try a different one. Table two. 78. Olenic. Olenic. Oh, I skipped. Bestiary 2, page 168. Another Bestiary 2. Oh, no. Ooh, look at these things. Another level 3, though. Uh, Many-limbed, carapaced creatures with no apparent eyes that communicate via scent. Yeah, that's a little too much like the clicker. They look great, though. Oddities and weird items they collect allowing to produce unlikely weapons from their own bodies, ranging from simple pincers to complex as ray emitters and various ciphers. I mean, they look really cool. I'll I'll throw it in the list. And this is 168, best three to 168. That's true. Josh says, doesn't the level determine all the other stats? Can it, should it be easy to change the level? That's a good point, right? I don't have to have them level three. I can make them level six if I want, right? I can make them, I can make them whatever level I want. It's very easy to change up monsters. And this thing, like, you know, no one knows what this is. So changing up the the difficulty of it could be could be pretty good. They look great. And they, they fit the area. The idea that they're these sort of like weird entities that have picked up the ruins of what is inside this war machine. I think that that could be really cool. So maybe I'll just bump them up. U-L-E-N-I-C. Uh, U-L-E-N-I-C. Let's just, for funsies, do one more. I should remember what page. Let's, let's do that next time. So random encounters are on page 11, which is page, if I do 12, bang, no, 13. Yeah, so if I do page 13, I get to the things. We'll do one more, one more ruin. You know, I don't, I can, I can use, I don't know, that's fine. Four, so table two, 80. No, sorry, 08. An odd, hey, they're in this book. Oh, look at that thing. Odds are powerful energy beings. Oh, they're nine. Most are imprisoned, buried long ago. But hey, this is great. I think I think this this fits perfect, right? That they buried this down in the vaults below. Powerful energy beings left over from a prior world. Most are imprisoned and buried long ago by civilizations that couldn't quite destroy them. These hateful things have been silently fuming for eons. But a few have picked at the locks of their cages long enough to allow them limited access to the outer world, which they use to lure beings with lies, threats, and promises of great rewards in exchange for their freedom. Odds are naturally telepathic and can mentally communicate to a range of a mile. Oh man, what? How about this guy for the vault? And of course, I didn't get the page number. This is Bestiary three one fourteen. I like it. That's really cool. Uh, I should put these guys uh, in the Amberfall stuff. 
Cool. That's a genie cranked up to 11. I'll crank it up to 9, and a 9 in Numenera is really hard. Okay, so I've got plenty of inhabitants. That's that's cool. Then we want to have location. So again, this is sort of another dungeon preparation activity is once you've, you know, this is my style, right? And everybody's got a different style. I'm not saying your style is wrong, right? Don't want to say that. But like, so what, what's the situation at the place? What is it and what did it used to be? What's the goal? Why are the characters going there? Who, inhabit it, who inhabits this place, right? And you saw, I just put names of stuff. I don't know where they're going to go. I'm not building out particular rooms. I don't have to, I don't need it. I just need to know, ah, here's some creatures and I'll, I'll improvise where they show up depending on the feeling of the game. But then, you know, okay, I've got a map, right? I've got a map that I took from my the good good the the, the very good Dyson Dyson logos. But now I need to fill it out. Like what are the rooms that are here, right? And a good way would be to like to key the rooms. Like actually one, two, three, four, five. But I'm running it. Oh look, I have a stuff in Amberfall. So I think we can steal these. I'm just gonna put this right into the locations and I'm gonna I'm going to just dump this section. I don't need any. And what I like to do is I'll, I'll write them down and I'll generally remember where they went, right? I'm not going to get lost. This is a pretty decent sized place. There's a lot of stuff going on here, but I sort of have my list. And I think I, I rolled on, I, I rolled on some random tables to generate some of these things, right? But then you also want to say like, well, what is this place? And so what's here? And so I think kind of starting, well, let's see, what's the best way to start? It would be, you know, it'd be really nice if uh, there was an easy way to label an image inside Notion. That's something I wish you could do. But in 15 minutes, we're not going to get there. So let's look at what locations we have, and then we can kind of figure out what goes where. So we have relics of the Datasphere War, right? We probably have monuments of Winter's Blade, right? Ruined hex monuments, right? So there's some old hex pieces here. Nano connection tubes. Overlord's communication gateway, a data sphere vertus. So we'll have to figure out where that is. Uh, acidic runoff from huge dead batteries. I love that. Statues of data sphere hunters, right? I guess that's really the monuments. I like that. So we don't need the monuments. Nano charnel pits. Some of the nanos did not make it and their bodies were just thrown off into the nowhere. Broken gravity defying furnace, a nano forge. This is where I had rolled some. A giant cracked thunderous cylinder, massive cracked memory crystal. Yeah. Cybernetic burning transparent floating cube, an entity core. I think we had that. So what are, when we look at this, oh, so we of course have the, the hub, right? The nano hub, a series of pillars to which nanos are connected, right? That's down here. We have the steam vents, right? Natural steam tunnels pouring out toxic gas from the blown batteries. Don't breathe this stuff. What else uh, do we have? So I think that these chambers here, so we've th this, this, this semi-circle, quarter-circle area, those are the hubs with the nanos there. I think that the Overlord's chamber is the one right above it where it operates. So that other, and it's got sort of a secret entrance that connects it there. I think that's good. I think the, the connection, I think there's probably five other nanos that are inside this connection hub and that that's a data sphere connection hub. They're the, the they're the, what are they called? The conduits, right? Those, those are nanos known as the conduits. Where did I go? I lost my Amberfall. Nano Virtus connection pillars 
through which the work of the the hub nanos transfers out into the data sphere. All right. What else do we need here? So I got that chamber. I've got that chamber. I've got that chamber. We have these other sort of side chambers here. I don't know. I need to worry about that too much. There might be like Orgolian soldiers and stuff like that. There's probably the preparation chambers, right? I think some of the some of these rooms might be the preparation chamber where nanos, where recent captured nanos are affixed with head vertus hardware. They're given basically the matrix thing, right? They're getting plugs so that they can just directly in. Like, I think that that works. Right. And that that's some of these chambers here. I think like the, you know, the Winters Blade Ruined Museum, Broken Artifacts of the, of Winters Blade. So that's this chamber on the far right hand side, halfway up. The, the steam vents are these natural tunnels on that side. And I think a, th a few of these chambers might be might be more uh, Winter's Blade kind of kind of areas. I think the northern chambers here could be where the the, the wrecked war machines are. And the weird bit of these are they're physical machines intended to be transferred into the data sphere. It'd be like finding a Tron tank parked outside your house. You know, like, shouldn't that be inside the world of Tron? It's like, well, we actually built it physically here so we could transfer it in there and that way we have better control over it or something like that. But they, they really, not only could they move people in and out, they could move physical objects in and out. And so they, they did that. So I think that we could have some stuff there. Oh, we, one of these chambers could be that gravity-defying furnace, right? I think, that, I think that that could definitely work. So... Yeah, so I've got a lot of different potential locations. I can sort of improvise these as I go. I can kind of pick what feels like it might be fun for the moment because a dungeon isn't actually solid until the characters actually see it, right? Uh, so I can sort of move things around, but that gives me a lot of different locations inside this place that, that the characters can find and see. I've got a lot of inhabitants that they can run into there. Where would the Odge be? There might be a like a chamber. Oh, and where's the vault, right? So where is the... Maybe this, the one that I was going to use is the hub. Maybe that's better. I think this one that was going to be the hub is actually better as the vault. So I'm going to make that room there the vault. Right, and that they, they it's sealed up. Nobody goes in there. That makes a lot of sense. And that there's these artifacts in there. Plus, there's the 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 hive. Could that be connected to a larger chamber through which the Odge is trapped? That might be kind of cool. And as a fun kind of scene, I think we'll put this in the. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. But it could be that the Odge reaches out and, and appears as like the childhood friend of one of the characters. And it's like, you have to help me. Like I'm trapped. They've trapped me down here for so long. I have to be, you know, you have to let me go. I'll help you, you know? And then it kind of like thinks, and it's like, the fourth emperor is coming back, isn't he? Like I can help you with this, right? And it's this super powerful entity called the Odge, right? That just wants to get out. I think that that could be really cool. So that's a good vault for that. So I've got a fair bit of material uh, for that. Let's take a look. Let's go back to my notes. Uh, I can actually take the notes from last time and put those under my old session notes. 
And let's see, I've got a strong start. That looks really cool. I've got scenes about what they're going to do. That's cool. I got piles of secrets. We'll do one for the odds, right? Winter's Edge trapped a super powerful entity known as the Odge beneath the Black Vault. It often appears as someone the characters know. That'd be fun and scary. I got my locations. I just filled out a whole bunch of specific locations, so that's all set. NPCs, I've got, you know, we could have Odge, right? But we'll see if that works. I've got my monsters. Uh, treasure, I like to roll treasure at the time. I, I think it's kind of fun to roll treasure during the game when people pick up ciphers and stuff like that, so I don't really need to do that now. I always give treasure a short a short drift. So I feel pretty good about it, right? I'm, I'm happy with what I've got for today's game. I've, I've got a lot of good stuff prepared for today's game. I don't know if they'll get through the whole thing in a session. I would expect that this is probably a two, depending on what they do, where they go, what they choose to do. It's probably a two session, probably a two session game. So I think that, I think that that can work out really well. And I think I've got enough material. Like I've prepped enough material now to probably cover a couple of sessions. And that's, that's another reason. So you know, my obsession about dungeons, I get obsessed about different things in D&D, right? And I get obsessed about uh, recent, most recent it's dungeons, but it was also like maps. Like I got, I got uh, obsessed with, with maps before. My, why am I so low? My chair is sinking. Oh, look at that. Oh, now I'm too high. There, better. Oh, now I'm out of focus. Focus, focus camera. Better. So now my microphone's not at the right height. Everything, tweaking everything. Now I forgot what I was talking about. Dungeons. So I obsess about different things. I was obsessed with dungeon maps for a while. I'm still kind of obsessed about that. It's still like a big problem. Like how, do, how are we supposed to map things at the table is a big question that I've got, something I've been thinking about. And, and running dungeons. And the interesting thing about running dungeons is the reason I got interested in it is because I see different impressions about it i see some people who say oh i dread when i have to run a dungeon and i see other people and i go into this category like oh thank god i get to run a dungeon and i'm like why is there that difference is it is it a matter of just personal preference some people just don't like dungeons they don't like the style of dungeons i've certainly talked to people who are just like i just don't like that idea right the idea of like crawling around in a dungeon but i'm also like well why do i like it so much right why do i find it so freeing and and why am i excited whenever i get to run a dungeon right and i think i think it has to do with like how one approaches that dungeon and again my style of running a dungeon is not the same as others and i think that i i think that for some people who are like oh i dread dungeons it's because they don't like the procedural resource tracking sort of grindy part of the dungeon some people love the resource grindy part of a dungeon but i like it because it's a it's like a focused area with a focused story like it's i i, I know that i'm running it i've got a nice map it's it feels solid to me so you know uh, the, the reason i like it is because it fits this sort of situation based approach that i like to take in my in my rpg my d20 based rpgs like this gives me a focused location it's got interesting choices it it gives it's a great backdrop for secrets and clues it's a great backdrop for interesting descriptions the the exploration pillar of of D, which you know frankly exists in other rpgs too including numenera that exploration pillar is really a fun one to kind of focus on 
So I really dig it. And it's like, you know, but when I asked people and I did, I, I, I got 200 replies back to a tweet about like, well, what do you find difficult about running a dungeon? And they, a lot of what came back was like, I don't like it because there's no interaction with NPCs or I find that it's just a slog, right? And you're like, well, those are, those are solvable problems, right? Like what are the fun things that you can find in a dungeon? Who are the people that you could talk to in a dungeon? What are some of the upward beats that you can run in a dungeon? Like there's a lot of considerations that aren't hard that don't really go outside of the style that I think make dungeons fun or can make dungeons fun. And you get all the advantages of a dungeon on top of it, which is like, it's a really interesting place. It's really fun to, to, to go through. It offers agency to the players for choices about that they want to make. And yet not so many choices that they could go anywhere. They're not boring, right? So, and I think they, they lean in on the kind of things that characters are able to do, right? So, you know, what I don't do is like, I don't worry about anything that, isn't worth worrying about, right? And you get to decide what that is. I'm not saying like torches and time and distance and rations are not something to worry about, right? It, you can, if you choose, I would say, talk to your players and make sure that that's the kind of story you want to tell. I know what the kind of adventure that I want to run here, worrying about lighting isn't really a big deal in Numenera. I'm not worried about lighting. I'm not worried about food, right? I don't even know that some of them even eat. So we don't worry about that level of detail. I don't run, I don't worry about time unless it matters. Sometimes time might matter. If they say, we want to spend 10 minutes here, I can think about it and be like, is that a risk? And if it's not a risk, then we say, sure, you spend 10 minutes. If they go to an ancient vault that hasn't moved in a million years, I'm pretty sure they could take a long rest there and nothing's going to happen, right? Because why would it? So the, I let the story sort of dictate the time and I use time and the description of time as a dial of pacing when I'm running the dungeon. And I think that I think that, that helps a lot. So this is an example, like you've now seen this, this show today was like how I prep a dungeon, right? And I, and I'm excited for it. I'm excited to run it. I think my players are going to have a good time. And you know, I'm my hope. And the reason I want to fixate on dungeons is because I hope that for people who kind of either dread or have not really found the style that they like, that they could go, oh, okay, well, this is why. You know, right. My, my, my mom has a very good point. In movies, characters seldom eat, right? Sometimes it's like sometimes eating is important. In Alien, they ate because it was an important scene in Alien. If it's not an important scene, there's only one scene where you see them all getting together and eating. I think that's true, right? And it's an important scene. So we focus our lens on the things that matter, right? And you might decide that, that, that crunchy low low light low food systems are what matters and in like out of the abyss it mattered right in the adventure out of the abyss resource management mattered until it doesn't and then when it doesn't it doesn't matter anymore and you have to worry about it if you have characters that have ways to get food and water and light and you don't really need to worry about it guess what you probably don't need to track it anymore right you know once characters get a bag of holding do you really need to worry about encumbrance with picking up treasure not really right so I argue that focus the lens on what is important for the session. And when you do that, and you can do it with the dungeon like you could do anything else. So, so yeah, that's my, that's my big rant about dungeons right at the end of the Numenera session. I hit it here so that people won't get mad. If you enjoyed this show, you can help me out by subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter, supporting me directly on Patreon, subscribing to my videos on YouTube, or picking up any of my books on the Sly Flourish bookstore. I hope you enjoyed the show. I want to thank you all very much for hanging out today while I prepped my game. I will see you next week and we'll see how things went. Thank you very much and have a great day.